Hello, everyone, and happy World Youth Skills Day. Welcome to Upbeat, the podcast. I'm John True, Education Specialist and Generation Unlimited Focal Point for the United Nations Children's Fund Office in South Asia. Before we get started today in welcoming our guests for this episode, let me take the time to explain more about Interwoven Campaign. The Interwoven Campaign is a five-month online engagement that includes a series of podcasts, webinars, and spotlight videos highlighting the amazing work of UNICEF's country offices in South Asia on adolescent skills and employability. With the tagline, Unfolding Possibilities, the campaign emphasizes the intertwined nature of UNICEF's programming work in countries and aims to celebrate our on-the-ground efforts and our work with one another. In fact, this podcast is part of that campaign. In the next few weeks, we will be inviting colleagues and young people from the region to share their thoughts on different topics, such as youth development, innovations, green and blue jobs, and a whole lot more. Additionally, in every episode, I'll be joined by a young person from the region as my co-host. And today, I'm glad to be joined by a young leader from Nepal, Rezu Manantara. Welcome to the show. Please introduce yourself, Rezu. Thank you, John. Hello, everyone. My name is Rizu Manandar. I am from Nepal and I'm a youth volunteer at Nepal Scouts. I recently completed my undergraduate study and currently I work in World Association of Girl Guides and Girl Scouts. Besides, I also run this advocacy campaign called Perfect Imperfections to boost the self-esteem of young people in my country. I am very much delighted to be here and to be joined by such amazing individuals who are providing young people like me platforms and opportunities for collaboration and engagement. So thank you. Rezu, thanks for that wonderful introduction. I know who will replace me when my job is done. So before that happens, without further ado, let's begin. In this episode of Upbeat, we will be joined by our very own regional director, George Laragier, and the chief executive officer of Generation Unlimited, Kevin Frey. Pleasure to have you gentlemen here with us today. Let's jump to this week's episode of Upbeat. This week, we are commemorating World Youth Skills Day, focusing on the creativity and resilience of young people in spite of this historic pandemic. As you know, countries in South Asia, as well as around the globe, are still dealing with subsequent waves of COVID-19. And we know that it has been a massive impact on the lives and livelihoods of adolescents and young people in South Asia, especially with regards to their skills development and employability. With this in mind, my question to you, George, is, is UNICEF in South Asia fit for purpose? How are we making UNICEF more agile as a result of this pandemic? Hi, John. Hi, colleagues. And thanks, and thanks for, for inviting me here. It, it's indeed a great pleasure. And to, to all the young people, a big shout out. It's an important week for us as we all commemorate a very important day. And yes, indeed, it's time for us to talk about how to work with you to ensure that every adolescent, every young person has the opportunity to, to expand their skills. Indeed, it's a troubling time of COVID, and we know South Asia has been affected in a big way. And, it, and, and I'm sure it's affected all of you. Some of you have had to stay at home for a year or close to a year or even a little more than a year and not being able to go to school. Some of you who are learning a trade have had your, your schedules thrown apart. 
and and some of you who are finished school and are working afford to afford to spend a great deal of time at home either working online or for many of you have had the unfortunate experience of how to give up your jobs. So it is indeed important for organizations like mine, UNICEF, to continuously adapt to the changing needs of young people in a time like this. Uh, so John, to answer your question, yes, we try to be fit for purpose, but it is a continuous journey. We are trying to adapt some more to place more attention to the needs of young people given the impact of covid in terms of how connected they are in terms of more opportunities for their voice to be heard and importantly in terms of partnering with others to expand the range of opportunities to acquire new skills skills that place them on a strong footing in the workplace so so we are trying our best to be agile but of course we need the young people to go the journey with us without them agility is going to go down. Wow, that's so interesting, Jaws. It is great to hear that the regional office sees urgency and value in promoting young people's skills and employability, especially now in this post-pandemic. And my next question to you is just out of my curiosity. How long have you been in UNICEF, Jaws? And in all those years, what stuck out to you the most on young people's creativity and resilience? Okay, I've been in UNICEF um, for quite a bit of time, close to two decades, and it's been a good journey working with young people, with their families, with communities, with governments all over the world. And what I have cherished is the dynamism, the hope, the inspiration that come from young people. I've had the opportunity and the privilege to work with young people in different parts of the world. And you know, young people don't carry the baggage that we carry as older people. They have new ideas every time. They like to try new things. They like to encourage you. They help you to see possibilities. And, and there are times when the ideas have been so cool, they're so spot on. You know, things that if you work in a bureaucracy, you would not think of. And yet it just comes from there. It just hits you that this is it. This is what we should be trying. Um, um, so, so yes, the hope, the inspiration, and the boldness, the, the natural boldness uh, to just go out there and try things is, 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 is what has, has truly inspired me. And, and I'm hoping that in this time of COVID, young people will not lose this. They will not just settle at home and be confined to their own spaces because we need that. I, I've had opportunities to work with many of them, either in the slums of big cities or in expanding water supply, how to manage it, or in improving learning at school or in being the ones that draw attention to the needs of their families and communities. And again, in all, in all, it's, it's a voice that you will not get from officials, that you not get from senior members of their communities, that you not get from the media, that you not get from parliamentarians, um, you not get from other partners. It's so unique. So I'm looking forward to more and more of young people's voices in the region.
Wow, those are like really motivating words for youths like us. So thank you for that, George. And I also believe our generation has a lot to learn from people like you. So now moving on to Kevin, I believe our audience would love to know more about Generation Unlimited. So what is Generation Unlimited, Kevin? Thanks, Riju. Uh, Generation Unlimited is uh, an extraordinary platform. It's a partnership that brings together leading figures, world-leading organizations, uh, CEOs, heads of state, heads of UN agencies, young people to tackle Generation Unlimited's mission. And its mission is to connect the world's 1.8 billion young people to opportunities for entrepreneurship, for employment, and for social impact. It was founded in 2018 by the Secretary General and the Executive Director of UNICEF, and since then, we've expanded rapidly over the last three years. We're now in 47 countries and reached almost 100 million young people last year. That's amazing, Kevin, um, that it's been able to continue to grow during the pandemic. Now, Kevin, you're being the new CEO of Generation Unlimited. What can we expect in the future? Our audience would like, also like to know what's on the horizon for Generation Unlimited. Sure. Thanks, John. Uh, Genu has made amazing strides over the past two years since its inception. Uh, it's grown from just an idea into a concept and then a major movement, a, a partnership platform, like I said, in over 47 countries and seven regions. It's managed to gather over 80 partners that have joined Genu at the highest level. And as with every startup, Genu is now at a stage where it needs to move to its next phase. Uh, I call it Genu 2.0. We now have to move beyond a convening role and increasingly get into program co-creation, implementation, larger presence in the field, and massive, massive scale. We have audacious goals in front of us, but we can only reach the world's 1.8 billion young people with skills for employment, entrepreneurship, and social impact if we continue to drive forward with urgency and at pace. So what do we see next in our journey? Well, we're building the world's first and most consequential public-private youth partnership. We call it a PPYP, hosted by UNICEF, the world's leading child and youth-focused organization. We're committed to putting youth at the center of the action and in the middle of the decision-making table. We want our partnership platform to be driven by the passion, the energy, and the ambition that young people have. And we wanna foster a space where the present and the future of young people is in their own hands. We've been tirelessly building our governance structures to meaningfully engage young people in decision-making. And we've built a huge volunteer action of over 10 million young people and matched so many more young people to opportunities. And we're also crafting global programs on jobs, entrepreneurship, and skilling with some of the world's largest organizations and corporations with a particular focus on digital green and blue economies. And John, we're just getting started. I'm just lucky to be part of it. Thanks so much, Kevin. I'll turn it over to Raisin. Well, Kevin, it is so great to know that young people's access to quality education, skills development, employment, and entrepreneurial opportunities are being prioritized and spearheaded by collective platforms like GenU, especially now in these trying times. Um, I see that GenU has been strengthening its effort on social impact. So what does social impact mean for GenU? And second, 
What does success look like regarding social impact for GenU? Thanks, Reju. Uh, to GenU, social impact is really the aggregate of all the lives we've touched and changed for the better as a result of our partnerships, our impactful solutions, and the extraordinary action of young people that we've catalyzed globally. For me, social impact is Calvin in Kenya, the GenU Youth Challenge winner who's from the slums of Nairobi and is now a community leader and entrepreneur who runs a successful green enterprise. Social impact is praise in South Africa, who tirelessly volunteers and advocates to end violence against women and children. Social impacts also all the lives that have improved as a result of praise's leadership and both the environment and community that's benefiting from Calvin's green startup. To genuine social impact isn't just numbers. It's the faces, it's the names of young people who work with us side by side to make the world a better place. It's the unique story of every single one of those young people. So far, with the help of over 200 partners, we've reached more than 100 million youth since the launch of Genu. And by 2023, we aim to create opportunities and impact for 500 million young people by scaling innovations and programs to help change the trajectory of young people's lives. We wanna scale many of our initiatives, like our Passport to Earning Initiative, Global Volunteer Initiative, Youth Entrepreneurship, Yoma, our Youth Marketplace for Opportunities, our Agripreneurship Initiative, and so on. There's so many things happening in every corner of the world right now at GenU. And we'll have considered ourselves a success when we've improved the lives of over 1 billion young people with skills and opportunities for employment, entrepreneurship, and social impact. And until then, we can't rest. Thanks, Kevin, for that response. Now, turning back to George, as we scan the horizon and your wealth of experience with UNICEF, where do you see UNICEF specifically heading in response to the enormous skills and employment crisis facing adolescents and young people in South Asia today? That is a very good question. I see two, two pathways here. One is that UNICEF is in a position to work with governments, with big business, small business, to expand opportunities across countries. So not just small initiatives, but to expand opportunities. And this can come in the form of improving curriculum when young people are in school, improving opportunities for, for internships, improving opportunities for entrepreneurship. Um, young people get into entrepreneurship very early on, either in school or immediately they finish school, improving regulation, regulations around startup firms that young people try to initiate, improving the environment for them to invest in. For example, if big business can have tax holidays, how about a young person that wants to try something? So UNICEF is in a position to work with government, business, business organizations like the Chamber of Commerce, Association of Mines of electronic industries, etc. In addition, and that is my second point, UNICEF is in a position to work with partners to scale up proven initiatives that work for young people. I know that um, there's always not an even playing field for young people to enter into the labor market in a gainful way. And, and it depends on, on various things. How well you did in high school at times can prevent you, the constraints in your own country, 
and in most parts of South, South Asia, um, the informal sector or the small enterprise, micro enterprise sector, these dominate the economy. So deliberately um, scaling up programs, programs that have been proven to work for young people, giving them opportunity to either learn new skills or to have opportunities to be employed in a certain field or for them to start something on their own. It's an area that UNICEF is going more and more into. So yes, the policy space, the, the business environment improving that, but secondly, um, working with partners to scale up proven initiatives that, that will um, be of great benefit to young people in the region. Thanks, George. I think you really hit on a number of things that we are seeing in the field, especially about this issue of choice versus default. Young people saying, well, I want to be something versus I'm, I have to be a farmer. I have to sell something in the informal sector and really about giving young people that opportunity of choice. And I think you hit it spot on about entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship and really looking at that entrepreneurship at an early age. We have to begin to instill that earlier on so that young people can demonstrate entrepreneurship qualities in their education versus just assuming they're going to know how to be a business person uh, once they uh, finish a class in entrepreneurship. So thank you so much for that. Um, I've been enjoying this conversation so much so far, but we're now going to take a quick break. Please stay with us as we uh, dive deeper into the conversation with George and Kevin as we commemorate World Youth Skills Day. So please stay tuned. We hope you're enjoying our first episode of Upbeat the Podcast, the first installment of our Interwoven Unfolding Possibilities campaign for the execution of the Adolescent Skills and Employability Community of Practice. Upbeat the Podcast promotes monthly discussions with colleagues, experts, and thought leaders highlighting national and regional skills and employability trends. Hosted by John True, the Education Specialist and Generation Unlimited Focal Point for UNICEF ROSA. This debut episode will introduce you to the Adolescent Skills and Employability Community of Practice, the Interwoven Campaign, the World Youth Skills Day, and the creativity of young people in a COVID-19 world. We are pleased to have George Laria J, the Regional Director at UNICEF ROSA, and Kevin Frey, the CEO of Generation Unlimited, to share their insights and ideas on the said topic. This is just the start of the campaign. Watch out for more podcast episodes, webinars, and spotlight videos highlighting country offices within South Asia. Follow us on Anchor and Spotify. Don't forget to use the hashtags, hashtag WYSD2021, hashtag UpbeatThePodcast, and hashtag YouthSkills. Now we are back. So Joe's and Kevin, we hope that this has been an exciting experience for both of you as much as it does for John and I. And this next question goes to both of you. What is your proudest moment in engaging with young people through your professional careers? Okay, can I start, Kevin? Yeah. I must say there have been many good moments, many proud moments, but it's one that... Um, comes to mind now. I, I can even see it happen. I, I can just see it. It's been a few years back. When I was working in, in South Africa for UNICEF, we had a program. I'm sure many of you are, are familiar with it, the TechnoGirl program. And it was to go to the townships 
work with young people there, usually through um, their school system. So we, we have the girls' clubs, the gem, we call them the gems and the bams, the, the girls' clubs and the boys' clubs. But the techno girl really f- focused more on the girls' clubs. So um, girls that came from very difficult family situations gradually got interested in these clubs and joined. And, and through the clubs, they received um, support to just to finish high school well, to be placed and where they could learn the um, right skills for life after high school. Some entered college and was in college and the program arranged for them to, to have internships every year. And, and these were girls, many of them ended up in the science and technology um, um, spaces. So be, be placed in a, in, a, in a factory, a place that they chose, and they were able to complete and then be supported to interview well if, if you want to be employed in a company or to go into your own kind of work. So there's one particular story, one that happened where one of the young women had graduated from college and we went back a few years. She had been on this social grant program, meaning her family did not earn enough and there was a bit of uh, financial hiccups at home. So a girl, again, you know how, how the township life is tough, but a girl who's managed to persevere was on social grants and was now an engineer being going into one of the top industries um, in the country. She told a story to me and to the Minister of Social Development and the journey, the ups and downs in the journey. And there were many tears flowing. It, it was a beautiful story and it gave all of us hope that, that yes, um, young people know what they want. They know what they want. They know where they want to go. Of course, at times, like all of us, they need guidance and mentoring, and they need encouragement. But they have a clear sense of what they would like to do, or at least what they would not like to do, or what they would not like to become. And at times, all they need is a little bit of encouragement and, and I'll say in, in course, push and opportunity for them to see options, for them to see opportunities as we have, and then for them to be able to take advantage of it. That, that program, I've not followed it for, for a year or so now, but that, that program brought hope and transformation. And I hope, and I hope um, it can be replicated in many parts of the country. Thanks, George. And now to Kevin. Kevin, what's been your proudest moment with Generation Unlimited so far? To be honest, my time with Gen U has been relatively short, just about half a year, um, compared to some of my colleagues who've been working with UNICEF for over 20 years. Um, but I would say one of my proudest moments in the in the past few months was Gen U's Global Leadership Council, which happened just a few weeks ago. The meeting gathered some of the most influential and powerful people in the world when it comes to youth development. We had three heads of state, a former head of state, CEOs of some of the world's largest corporations, a Nobel Prize nominated youth leader, heads of the largest youth-led organizations in the world, 
It was truly a remarkable display of enthusiasm and commitment to the importance of lifting and empowering the current generation of young people. It was equally humbling for me and motivating to see the likes of President Kenyatta and His Excellency Gordon Brown, PwC's Global Chair Bob Moritz, CEO of Unilever Alan Yope, and Ilwad Elman, an extraordinary youth activist from Somalia, and the UAE's Minister of Youth, Shama Al-Muzri, and over a hundred other leaders working together to catalyze lasting impact with and for young people. So I'm indeed proud and particularly proud of the team at Genu that's brought the mission to life and assembled such an impressive array of partners to join us on this audacious journey. Now, Kevin, I have to say that is just truly remarkable. I have only been at UNICEF for six months and I can promise you I have not accomplished something of that level yet. So um, I'm aspiring to follow in your shoes, Kevin. <laughs> Thank you, George and Kevin, for those powerful examples. I remember several years back here in Nepal, actually, when I was interviewing a, a young woman and she said, you know, this program gave me my hope back. And that sort of just made me crumble inside as many people and young people who I have interviewed and talked to. But just that notion of giving someone their hope back is such a powerful transformational uh, journey that we get to be a part of every day and that we need to remind ourselves of how lucky and fortunate and humble we are to be part of that journey for so many people around the world. So thank you so much. So turning to the last two questions um, for today, and George and Kevin, I want to ask both of the, these to you. What keeps you awake at night? Jen, <laughs> you keeps me awake at night. Uh, it has such a critical mission. We have audacious goals, but we're still a startup. And as every entrepreneur out there who's ever started a business knows, it keeps you up at night. It consumes all of your time and your energy, but you do it gladly because you believe so strongly in the cause. And that's why I spend my time and energy bringing in more partners, resources, and capacities for GenU and thinking about how we can build and roll out promising initiatives and get them to the most remote areas and the most vulnerable young people. That's what I'm thinking about in the middle of the night, John. And George? Honestly, honestly, um, I'm, I'm worried that if we don't do enough for young people now, we end up with a generation that is not able to, you know, you know, the, like my generation, I don't think that my generation could live up to its full potential. And, and, and it, it comes to you as you grow because time creeps in very quickly. So we have the opportunity where because of the new world, technology and so on, young people are connected and they have, um, a lot of hope we, we can hear from them. If we lose this moment working with them, we can easily end up with a lost or nearly lost generation in terms of the potential that it can bring. One specific thing that keeps me awake at night is the digital divide. Anytime I interact with young people, it's like it's the new medium, it's the new currency, it's the new defining factor of whether you can realize your aspirations or not. So knowing that many millions, hundreds of millions of young people don't have access 
to the internet, to technology, means they are being deprived of that opportunity. And, and to some, it might sound like, oh, no, it's not a big deal. But, but young people after that, it's the new currency. It's the new, it's, 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 it's an important factor for them. That, that worries me. And knowing there's a strong gender dimension, I'm told in our region, in South Asia, if you have, if you put boys and girls together, young women, like in their teens, they have one fifth of the opportunities that boys have to the internet or to the digital world. And that is pretty huge. So, so again, again, the digital divide as, a, as an important factor for, for future well-being, reducing that divide, it's indeed a very important issue for me. Wow, thank you for sharing that. I know like how uh, digitalization is a big factor for our generation, especially in how that divide is creating um, this, you know, inequality among youths in this, in this generation. As we move on, what do you believe that we are not doing at UNICEF that we should be doing more of? Um, I, I think we have started co-creating programs with young people. And I think we should do more of this. Our model is to work with governments on proposals. And that gives you, of course, a certain lens, a very important lens. But co-creating with young people um, helps you see options that are more relevant, more realistic, and that have a, a better likelihood to succeed. Um, of course, of course, it's not easy because young people uh, come from different, like all of us. It's not, it's not easy to find a group of homogeneous young people, but I think that's part of the fun. Different groups of young people, um, young men, young women, those who finished high school, those who dropped out, those who have finished college, those who couldn't make it, those who would like to um, be entrepreneurs, those who would prefer to work for, for, for some time uh, and with, with somebody. And, and indeed, the, that helps us to do our job in a better way. So co-creation co is a big one. Um, the second one that truly, 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 I'm hoping together with young people and, and, and all partners, we can do more of. I think we, we, we prioritize hearing from them, meaning the voice part but do less of helping them to achieve what they would like to achieve. And that worries me. You know, voice is an essential step, essential first step. But at the end of the day, that young person is going to go back home or where the person, and there are practical issues they have to deal with, either in terms of skills, in terms of an income, in terms of confidence, even in terms of, um, other, other well-being issues. And I'm hoping that we can do more with them so their dreams come true. So voice, yes. Uh, participation, yes. But I'd like to see more action for them in terms of skills, entrepreneurship, employment, the ability to, 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 to innovate, to, to lead society, given all that they have to offer. So, so that is a big thing for me. 
But how do we walk the talk um, in terms of um, the skills, employability, and, and social impact? I'd say there are two things that we should definitely be doing more of. And by we, I mean all the stakeholders working on youth. First, we should embody the nothing for youth without youth approach. It's time that as adults, we recognize that we don't have all the answers to young people's problems and that we should all be sitting at the same table as equals to solve problems together. Organizations like UNICEF do indeed bring a wealth of value to the table with expertise from the field, research, know-how, and experience in working in really difficult contexts. Corporations bring their expertise in the future of work, and labor markets and their digital solutions. Governments bring their policy and legislative power and reach, but we need young people's creativity, innovation, and visceral understanding of their challenges if we hope to design and deliver impactful programs for young people. We should not be working towards a better future for young people without young people. Secondly, what we're not doing enough of is joining forces to synergize for wider social impact. There are countless impressive organizations working in the field of youth entrepreneurship, skills, volunteerism, jobs, et cetera. But we need to recognize that many of us are working towards the same goals, but we're doing it in silos. We often compete to mobilize resources and leverage assets for the same target audiences. And too often, because the public and private sector have different incentives, they struggle to work together. What I think we should be doing more of is partnering and collaborating across organizational boundaries with unusual suspects who don't usually work together, public, private, and youth, and assembling all of our efforts and resources into partnership platforms and consortiums. Partnership, to my mind, is the only pathway to delivering maximum impact at scale. And that can only be done by co-creating mission-aligned and value-driven partnerships and scaling promising solutions that utilize the expertise and unique comparative advantages of every partner and young person. I'd say these are two elements that are certainly genuine strengths and core values and which form the basis of the future we're trying to build. Wow, Kevin, thanks so much. That's really, truly impressive to think that we can only do this together and not alone. And I think that's something that Genu really has demonstrated and something that is uh, part of its success so far. And I believe all our audiences are also super inspired after hearing that. Well, that is it for today, everyone. Thank you so much, Joe and Kevin, for taking this time off your busy schedule and joining with me and John. Much appreciated. My pleasure. That was great. Thank you. Thank you so much. And young people, continue the good work. Push all of us, inspire us, and help us to help you. Let's not forget our listeners. What did you think? We want to hear from you about today's episode. Share your thoughts on Yammer using the hashtag UpbeatThePodcast. Again, that's hashtag UpbeatThePodcast. Make sure to ask your questions, share your stories, and we'll feature them in the succeeding episodes. Once again, these are your hosts, Rizu Manandar and John Cho. Thank you for listening. We hope to catch you in the next episode as we together unfold possibilities.